I'm Steve Denise. Welcome to The Bookstash, a podcast where I chat with fantasy author Ash Oldfield about reading, writing, and everything in between. been on a total binge read since the last podcast. Excellent. I walked into the library and randomly picked up a book called Strange the Dreamer by Lainey Taylor. Didn't think I would like it. Opened it up, looked at the prologue. Next thing I know, the whole day is gone and I've read the whole book. Amazing. Yeah. So it's pretty good. It's a pretty good day. It's a highlight of my week, I have to say. Um, do you want to know about it? Yeah, tell me about it. So is it is it the first book in a series or is it a standalone I book? was hoping it was a standalone and then when I got to the final page it said to be continued, like the worst words in literary history. So I have to wait. I don't even know when the next book's coming out. But I Googled it. It's only two books. So there's a second you can read after this Yeah, one. there's going to be a second book. Give us a bit of a top-level so rundown. No spoilers. It's about a guy called Laszlo Strange, hence the name Strange the Dreamer, um, and he you kind of just follow his story from orphan with no hope, no chance of a life, to then somehow digging his way out of that and pursuing his dreams. And it was just the most beautifully written story I have read in a really, really long time. Lainey Taylor has just such a beautiful grasp of the English language. She writes the way I always wanted Patrick Rothfuss to write. Oh, So she just gives me what I always, you know, I dig my teeth into Patrick Rothfuss and he just leaves me hanging just a little bit. I don't quite get it. She just... She's just beautiful, Lainey Taylor. She's really a true artist. And I was having a read on reviews once I finished reading the book and people were saying it really is a book for writers because the language is just so beautiful. Other people refer to it as purple prose. Do you know what purple prose is? No, tell me what that is. It's kind of like it's just it's too wordy, too much description. It's just clogged down, bedded down with verbiage, lots of big, long over the unnecessary words, which I really loved. I thought it was really beautiful. For me, I enjoyed reading about the characters, learning about all of the individual characters as I was reading the story. It took a really long time to get to the point, but I didn't mind because I enjoyed the language so much. Yeah, cool, awesome. So it definitely is. It's a, it's a book for writers. I think if you're a writer, it's a must read because it's yeah. a true lesson on the craft. Cool. And so just so everyone knows, you've got the book here in front of us. Yeah, yeah. But is, is it a big read or is it big it's text? It looks like a big read. Book. It's a big read. The text is quite big, but it's like 400 pages or something. Yeah, okay. It's not, no, 500, like 536 pages. Okay. So it is a big read. I wouldn't normally say you'd read it in a sitting, but I was a little bit obsessed. It's. I mean, it's young adult fantasy, so it's not too long it's not like a game of thrones length yeah but it's 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 decent nice. it's enough to sink your teeth into the magic in it is really cool oh yeah i don't i don't, I don't want to give spoilers though but it's just oh it's it's just oh, i love it that's cool is it set in the present time or is it a fantasy no, it's, setting it's in a it's high fantasy so mm-hmm. the whole world is a fantasy world mm-hmm. There's a world called, a place called Weep that is hidden from the rest of the world. And that's not where Laszlo Strange is from, but it's a place he's always been obsessed about. And the place called Weep have these gods. They're like blue-skinned creatures who have a gift each. So they each have a magical ability that they find out at some point in their life. 
So I uh, don't want to tell you the gifts though because no, it's okay. really, you, you, as you find out, it's really cool. The one that I guess is not really a spoiler, one of the girls has the ability to make anything grow. She can go and nurture a garden. That's her gift. Oh, cool. So she can make flowers blossom and so like really cool. Yeah, cool. You like the book, which is good. Mm-hmm. It um, took, took a, a day. You took a day out. You recommend it? I recommend it with the caveat that it is very wordy. Okay. It's lots of heavy description. From Strange the Dreamer, what, what do you think are the big takeaways for people? For me, I learned not to shy away from some of those bigger, more beautiful words. You can get away with using more complex words than I think I do a lot mm-hmm. of the time. I cut out a lot of that. This is young adult. It's the same genre as mine. So yeah. there's no reason why I can't use some of the beautiful language that Lainey Taylor does. Do you have a passage you can read as an example from the book of Purple Prose? I mean, you don't have to go very far to find out some of this purple prose. You'd, I mean, I opened up to this chapter one. There's a prologue, which was beautifully written, and then it goes straight into chapter one called The Mysteries of Weep. So this is the opening paragraph. Yep. It says, Names may be lost or forgotten. No one knew that better than Laszlo Strange. He had another name first, but it had died like a song with no one left to sing it. Maybe it had been an old family name furnished by generations of use. Maybe it had been given to him by someone who loved him. He liked to think so, but he had no idea. All he had were Laszlo and Strange. Strange because that was the surname given to all foundlings in the kingdom of Zosma, and Laszlo after a monk's tongueless uncle. So that's just the opening paragraph, and all it tells you is that his name is Laszlo Strange and that he's an orphan. But it's just, that's what, eight lines Yeah, of- right. Dense, dense description. So what would you say for other writers? I think you should avoid purple prose. Personally, I think you've got to, you can tread the line, but you shouldn't cross it. I didn't th- I didn't find this purple prose. This was what other people told me was purple prose. Right. So I found it when there were those big, long paragraphs, that was when I got excited because it was giving me more about the character. It was mm. building it up for me. But other people just want the story. Yeah, okay. So this is a very character-driven novel. It's about the characters, not the destination. Many people prefer books that are just about the destination. Yeah, great. So Stranger Dreamer by... Lainey Taylor. Lainey Taylor. I mixed her up with Liani Moriarty. Liani Moriarty is an Australian romance writer. And so I've always avoided Lainey Taylor books. (laughs) And I didn't didn't realise they were two different people because the names are so similar. So now I've gone out and I've bought Lainey Taylor's trilogy. She has a trilogy she wrote before this. So it's a Daughter of Smoke and Bone series. Yep. So I am, I went gone out and bought those. Nice. So now I'm a Lainey Taylor fan. There you go. Okay, cool. So what are we talking about for the podcast? What's the tip you've got for the writers out there? Well, this is something that I've been thinking about a lot lately because it's a problem that I have that every time I address it, my stories just go boom. Yep. And that is letting the characters have wriggle room. So I do plot quite heavily when I plot a story, but I'm very flexible. So when a character tells me, no, nah, that's not what I want to do, I let them take the lead. So you've got to give the characters enough rope to hang themselves with. 
So I think the classic example of this is J.K. Rowling said, you know, once she finished the Harry Potter series, she yeah. had, spoiler alert for those who haven't read Harry Potter by, by now, you probably should have should have read it by now, right? Uh, Ron and Hermione, getting Ron and Hermione together, making them get married, J.K. Rowling said she regretted that. That was something she put in from an early plot point when she first started developing the mm-hmm. story and it, by the time she'd written the series that didn't make sense anymore she forced them together but they actually weren't a good couple they weren't a good fit so that's an example of an author that is forcing the characters to do something that they don't want to do yeah right so i allow my characters to have their way with me when they when I am writing. So the example from my story is Michael. So Michael is a character in my story that he's my main character's cousin, kind of cousin one his the first cousin once removed. When I first wrote the story, I thought Michael was going to be the bad guy. I thought he was going to be the villain. And I wrote the whole book expecting him to be the villain. And it didn't work. His character, a lot of people didn't like his character. He didn't feel real. Then I stopped and I said, well, what's Michael have to say about this? What's Michael's intentions? What is his purpose throughout the story? Mm. And I realised he wasn't the bad guy at all. He genuinely wanted what was best for my main character. So when I, I went back and completely rewrote the story without Michael as the bad guy, and the whole story just flowed so much better because I wasn't forcing it. Yeah, yeah. I can remember when you were working on the early drafts that that big sticking point in the story was characters like Michael and and other key characters not necessarily doing what you needed them to do the way that they were working. So that they were being stubborn, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, so that rewrite really made a huge difference. Made the story like flow a lot better. And I think once you knew. It's almost like you had to write it that way to work out. Like you had to write enough of the character to know that the character wouldn't do what you wanted him to yeah, do. Yeah, exactly. I think, and sometimes it takes a few drafts before you get to know a character. Mm. But I think it's funny. I have a friend who only read that first draft. She hasn't read Fireburn Island once it's been published, and she hates Michael. She can't <laughs> understand because I really like him. He's one of my favorite she characters still has now. The villain she still thinks he's a villain. Yeah, that's great. For writers, other writers, like what's a good way they can apply that to their their writing and their stories? You need to take the time to talk to your character. And I know that sounds weird, but you need to get to know them. So personally, I carry on imaginary conversations with them. You need to know the tone of their voice, nuances that they use. How do they stand? What's their posture? You need to have such a clear image in your head of the character before you can write them. Mm. And for me, it took a few drafts before I got to know some of my characters. So it does take time. It's not something you can rush. It's, it shouldn't be something that you force. It should be a big part of your planning in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. So if you are writing a draft already and your characters are feeling a bit out of whack and not right, maybe maybe you need to have a look at what your characters would want to do and have a chat with your characters. Yeah, have a chat fit. with your characters. And if you're not comfortable doing that, maybe write a journal entry mm. from them. They're writing in their journal or... I don't, I don't know because I talk to my characters. I don't know what you do yeah. if you weren't comfortable talking to your characters. So an important part of this is not just about helping other people get comfortable with their writing, but it's about making sure you're accountable and responsible <laughs> for your own writing and your own uh, books. Um, so 
where are you up to so far? What have you been doing? I hate when you ask me this question because I always wonder, have I actually done enough? Because I always, (laughs) I'm my own worst critic. I think I've been too lazy, but I have been taking some time to go through my antagonist's timeline. So I'm writing book three of the series at the moment and I realise it never occurred to me what the antagonist is doing the whole time I'm writing the protagonist story. So the antagonist is like the bad guy, the protagonist is the good guy. So I have spent the week figuring out where the bad guy is in all of this. So I've been spending a lot of time imagining, I call it my imagination time, and percolating. So I let the ideas just simmer down into my brain and settle down. And I'm this close I'm so close to getting it I think I know but then I'm thinking maybe he's not such a bad guy so (laughs) I don't know but that's what that's what I've been spending my time doing so you're letting your character tell you your bad guy character tell you what he wants to do I'm going to sit down and write the story from his perspective not in any like not in a good quality like the public couldn't read it it's gonna be terrible it's very 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 rough draft but I'm going to sit down and write from point a all the way through to point I think I've got five main plot points. <laughs> I'm going to write what he's doing and what his perspective is. Yeah, cool. So just for internal use only? Maybe. Okay. If it's good enough, I might include some of them. Something exciting in a book that's normally from one character's perspective. Yeah, I too. might try that dual perspective mm. thing, but I'm not. I'm a bit nervous about it. I've never done it before. Well, maybe if anyone listening to the podcast has any tips on books that shift from one perspective to multiple perspectives. I would love to hear that. Love to hear advice. Cool, cool. All right, you have to let us know. Mm -hmm. Um, Lucky last is we want to give everyone at home something to work on, Uh, so a bit of homework to the next podcast. So we've been doing that with writing prompts, which are basically little guides for something you can work on with your writing, little exercises to help you become a better writer. So what's our writing prompt for this time? So this time I pulled out two random words from my brain and you have to use them somewhere in a 200-word passage. So whether it's a description or some dialogue or a poem, it's up to you. But the two words you have to use are viscosity. Viscosity. Yep. So that's how thick a fluid is. Yep, yep. Like honey is viscous. And essence. Essence. Yeah. So viscosity and essence. Yes. Cool. Use them somewhere in a 200-word paragraph. I look forward to hearing your stories. Until next time, keep reading and keep writing, and we'll see you soon. We'll see you soon. Bye.